Gwyn. As I try to make sense of the current confused and confusing crisis in Thailand, my mind flicks back to the events in Bangkok surrounding the 14th of October 1973. We didn't call it that then, but it was actually the first display of people power in Asia during the 1970s. Students were to the fore, calling and demonstrating for an end to the long authoritarian rule of Prime Minister and Field Marshal Panom Kitakachon and his Deputy General Prapat Charasatien, plus Tanom's notorious son, Colonel Narong Kitakachon. As the demos gained in intensity, the threat was that the military would put down the descent with a massacre. After three intense days of Bangkok demonstrations, Tanamon Prapat were prevailed upon to leave the country. It seemed a great victory for democracy, or at least for less authoritarian rule. Three years later, there was the payback. The two dictators were allowed to return to Thailand, partly, it is said, as a reward for having agreed to leave in the first place. Students at Tamasat University in Bangkok fiercely demonstrated against them being welcomed back after only three years' exile. As one friend of mine remembers the events of October the 6th, 1976, he was there, but I was off covering the people power victory in the Philippines, while in Bangkok, quote, Soldiers fired point-blank into the ranks of the terrified students, then stripped the survivors, male and female, to the waist and forced them to crawl on their bellies to waiting trucks. Officially, only 46 were killed, but probably there were many more casualties. Unquote. Shortly afterwards, there was a military coup, which ended that brief experiment with more Thai democratic rule. So why do I remember this now? Thailand, more than most nations, has experienced checkered political progress. After Marcos in the Philippines, after Chunduhuan in South Korea, and after Sahato in Indonesia, these three nations have stayed consistently democratic. In Thailand, the pluses have continued to mix with the minuses, democracy with authoritarianism, periods of freedom with periods of repression. The most recent example was when, in 2004, Thaksin Shinawat became the first democratic Thai prime minister to be returned at a general election for a second term. Two years later, in 2006, he was overthrown by a military coup. In part, at least, the authoritarian military took over because of disquiet in Bangkok concerning Thaksin's perceived authoritarian tendencies. Given Thailand's persistent authoritarian inclinations, there is a natural tendency to assume that those who protest on the streets of Bangkok today must be Democrats themselves. The assumption is observable right now, but this is emphatically not the case. Essentially, the current demonstrations are not merely against Thai democracy, they are also anti-democratic. There is no question that the Pew Thai Party government, led by Prime Minister Ying Lak Shinawat, is the legitimate elected government of Thailand, chosen by the clear majority of the Thai people in what was considered to be a free and fair election in 2011. As the self-appointed leader of the protest demonstrations in Bangkok since last October, former Deputy Prime Minister in a previous Democrat Party administration, Su Tep Taksuban, 
seeks to dislocate the capital Bangkok and thereby bring about the overthrow of an elected government. He has not a single democratic leg to stand on. Perhaps realising this, and that he had to stand in favour of something, late last year, seemingly off the top of his head, Su Tet began tossing out the idea that Thailand should now be governed by some undefined and unelected council. How this council would arrive on the Thai scene and how it will be composed were not and have not been disclosed. This is understandable. Were Sutep to provide details of his mythical council, he would have to presumably extol the very qualities of organisation and election which he rails against when they are exemplified by the current Thai government. So he wraps his vague idea of a council within the equally vague form of his People's Democratic Reform Committee, the PDRC, no doubt hoping that this will somehow convey the illusion that he has created a new political party. But he has not done so. He has resigned his former leadership role in the opposition Democrat Party. First and last, Sutep Taugsuban is a demagogic agitator seeking to undermine and destroy the degree of democracy that does exist in Thailand. As he called upon the discontented to join with his followers to occupy and disrupt Bangkok this week, starting on January the 13th, his main objective appeared to be to make it impossible for the government to work in its offices and to function. Sutep has even displayed some fascist tendencies, notably as he verbally urged the kidnapping of the Prime Minister and some of her ministers, and even suggested that their families and children be moved away from their homes before harm befell them. Though so far none of his followers have succumbed to these extremes. When what was probably a grenade was thrown at a procession of demonstrations which Sutep was leading near Chulalongkorn University last Friday, one person was killed and Sutep was suspiciously quick to blame the government while his supporters made it impossible for a police forensic team pursuing evidence to enter the building from which the grenade was apparently thrown. Right now, it looks as if support on the streets for the Occupy Bangkok movement is beginning to fade. But overall, given Sutep's success in the last four months in getting many thousands of demonstrators and occasionally some very large crowds onto the Bangkok streets, plus the suspicions that naturally arise as a result of his political posturing, the question which naturally arises is, who is backing him? Until now, it has not been frequently asked, let alone convincingly answered. Analyses of Thailand's turmoil conventionally do lay stress on the opposition of the Bangkok elite to the democratic dominance of the Shinawat family as a major factor underlying the current situations. But whether this means that certain individuals in that elite are actually helping to organise the upheaval, or simply that thousands upon thousands of Thais are simply captivated by Sutep's demagoguery remains to be seen. So how did this immediate crisis arise in the first place? Critically, it was because the Shinawat family went back on its word. In the wake of the Thai Party's victory in the 2011 general election, numerous key questions remained to be answered, centred around the crucial 
complex issue of reconciliation. Would it be possible for the new government to provide Thaksin Shinawat with an amnesty so that he could return from his exile in Dubai where he had fled after his conviction in absentia in Bangkok for corruption and abuse of power? Or would the Thai Supreme Court and the Bangkok elite continue to insist that Thaksin must serve his two-year prison sentence for these alleged crimes? During the 2011 general election, Abhisit Vejajiva, who had become Prime Minister even though the Democrat Party had not won a single election, suggested that any Pew-type party victory would quickly lead to Thaksin's conviction being quashed and efforts being made to bring about the passage of an amnesty bill in Parliament which would allow Thaksin to return to Thailand. But even after the Pew Thai Party won a sweeping victory at the 2011 polls, in press interviews, Thaksin himself played down the urgency and the importance of any such amnesty, demonstrating his shrewd awareness of the continuing antagonism towards him personally. Thaksin stressed, quote, "An amnesty bill is not the priority." Reconciliation is. Once that is accomplished, if an amnesty is needed, then okay. If reconciliation is not accomplished, then amnesty is not a priority. Unquote. This comment tied in with another one Taksin made in an interview at that time with the BBC. Asked whether he expected to return to Thailand, Taksin replied in effect, If I can be part of a reconciliation, then I will go back. If I am not, then I won't. Clearly, the exiled former Premier was then recognising that an amnesty for him could well be more political trouble than it was worth. Reconciliation remained distant. Thaksin made it clear that he would never spend any time in prison for what he regarded as a politically inspired prison sentence. On the other hand, a leading Thai judge had made it clear that even an amnesty would still require Thaksin to spend some time in prison. There was virtually no chance that Thaksin's conviction would be overturned in the law courts on appeal. Yet in the middle of 2013, either Thaksin ignored his own wisdom or else Thai Prime Minister Yinlak Shinawat acted on her own without consulting her brother, as an amnesty bill was placed before the Thai Parliament. As the bill created an immediate furor, many, probably most Thais, assumed the Shinawat brother and sister were working together. But it is possible Yinlak acted on her own. Earlier, she had been reported as saying that she would never grant amnesty to only one person, even if it was her brother. She was as good as her word. The proposed amnesty last year was for three persons, former Prime Minister Abhisit Vejajiva and former Deputy Premier Sutep Tauksaban for murder charges brought against them for when they were running the government and Thaksin for corruption when he was in charge. Abhisit's trial began in December. Sutep's anti-government demonstrations still got underway. The uproar over amnesty concentrated mainly on Thaksin. The amnesty bill was unanimously rejected by the Thai Senate on November the 11th. Until October 2013, Prime Minister Yinlak Shinawat had been having a relatively smooth ride. No longer. Thailand today is a profoundly polarised society.
Seeking to ease the national pain, Prime Minister Yinluck dissolved the Thai Parliament and set another general election for February the 2nd. Naturally, she concentrates pure Thai party energies in the long-neglected north and northeast regions of Thailand, where Thaksin's organisation and policies have made a tremendous not-to-be-forgotten impact. But Democrat Party leader Abhisit, certain that his party cannot win, and unconcerned to duplicate Thaksin's success in other regions of Thailand, instead declared a boycott of the poll. Demagogue Sutep pursues intensified process and further electoral disruption while increasing his flotation of an unelected Supreme Council as the answer to Thailand's problems. Safely ensconced in a Dubai luxury hotel and without a single Gandhian bone in his body, Thaksin does not even consider how much more he could do for Thailand if he now went home and served his sentence. But 53 mainly small political parties have submitted candidates in the perhaps vain hope that they may gain from doing so. Amidst all this discord created by polarised politics, it is tempting to believe that the answer may lie in the 19th military coup d'etat since the dissolution of Thailand's absolute monarchy in 1932. Perhaps amidst military-imposed order, Thai politicians can be persuaded to pursue competition instead of confrontation, harmony instead of hatred. Or is this an idealistic dream? Could it be that the Thai military is polarised just like the politicians? At least the head of the Thai army, General Prayut Chanocha, acts with caution, careful to avoid joining the seven Thai attempted coups which proved to be abortive. He now says that, quote, the door to a coup is neither open nor closed. Anything can happen. It depends on the situation. We are trying to do the right thing in a peaceful way and we urge negotiations, unquote. We urge negotiations. If only the politicians were all reduplicating that effort. For now, the Thai military are merely providing office space for the Prime Minister and her ministers to continue their work free from Sutep's political harassment.